Amen. Don't you love that song, Because He Lives? Amen. What a just an awesome, awesome reminder of what we have in Christ. Like I said, I am just, you know, I love the, the opportunity to go preach the gospel and go take God's word other places, but I sure love getting home to my church family. It's good to see you all this morning. And a big thank you to John, who preached last week, and I know you did a great job, brother. And, and Robert, who helped lead our worship last Sunday. Very good, too. I talked about you, Robert. That's right. So good job. Good job. He's like, oh, what, you're talking about me? Yeah, you too. You all just, y'all did great. I appreciate the blessings we have here in the church. A few years ago, probably about three years ago, my mother kind of faced a milestone moment in her life. Uh, she was able to finally, after years and years and years and years of working, teaching, all those years, she finally retired. Now, if there's anybody who deserved retirement, it was my mom. I'm telling you, she worked hard. She was a school teacher before my brother and I were ever born. She took a few years off when we, were, when we came along to take care of us. We got in school, and she was right back in the classroom. She taught for, I believe, over 30 years. In fact, when she was in her 50s, she went back and got her master's degree so she could do administration. And she, stayed, she wasn't in the classroom before she was working with high school students, getting them ready for college exams and all that working still. I mean, just worked, worked, worked. I remember my mother, when I was a teenager, especially when it was just me and my brother and her in the house, um, she would work a second, third, and sometimes even a fourth job just to make ends meet. She worked hard. I'm telling you, I was, she really always impressed me with her work ethic. And I was so happy for her the day it came where it just had finally worked out. She'd put enough years in, been able to, you know, invest in certain programs and just have enough money, you know, in retirement to just sit back and relax. I was so happy for her when she, she was able to reach that place in life. That's kind of the thing we all, you know, for everybody's working, kind of, boy, I love to get to that place. I've worked, I've done hard, and now I get to retire. Some of you have reached that place. Some of you are still working to get to that place. Go, man, I've worked hard. I want to enjoy the work of my hands. I'm going to be able to sit back and kind of take it easy and just enjoy life. I'm not so much in the grind anymore. And I, again, I was so happy for my mom when she made it to that place. However, I've noticed something about my mother. She has really got into the retirement lifestyle. I mean, it's one of those things, hey, I'm not talking bad about my mama. Don't you say that I said something bad about my mama. Don't you dare. I love my mama. But no, it was just, I think it's funny. She's got a lot of time on her hands now. She loves to call me about 10 times a day. What's going on? Are you? She knew I was driving down South Texas. I think every about five miles, I text from you, are you there yet? Are you there yet? You know, just, just mom, I'm being worried. I'm like, I'm kind of going, maybe you should go back to work a little bit. No, no but it is kind of interesting. I, I watch in my mother something. And again, I'm not critical of this. Is just, uh, this is a common problem for anybody who's getting retirement. You know, she still gets called every now and again to go work. It's not like she doesn't do any work. She tutors some, and every now and again the school that she's working for, we're calling and say, hey, we have these high school students, they're getting ready for, you know, some of the exams, and we have you come in and get ready for it, and then do the exams and all stuff, and so every, you know, couple months, she'll have to work a few days out of the week, and I just noticed something here that, you know, back when she was working full-time, like when she was in the classroom and doing all this stuff, I mean, she'd put in 40 hours easy, and then some, and it, you know, she could handle it. And now, just, just being a couple, three years out of being constantly in the workforce, that when she gets called into work, when she does a, you know, maybe a half week, when she does maybe 20 or 30 hours, it's really hard on her. 
you know, it really wears her out. As expected. Again, I'm not being critical in nature. That's just to be expected. If you're not doing the work constantly, if you're not, you know, always in the grind, when you get caught up, called back to it, it's tough. I mean, she's enjoying life now with, you know, spending time with grandkids and that kind of stuff. But that part of the retirement is I mean, we always look for the blessing of I got to retire and sit back. But we forget that what it does to us, it keeps us, you know, from being quite as honed, quite, quite as able to go do the work. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting in this life to a place of retirement, that you work hard, you save, or you invest, and you do all this stuff. You get to a place where you say, I don't have to go do the 9 to 5 anymore. That's a blessing. I, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm happy for those of you who said, I, you've reached that place, and I'm, I'm praying for you, those who are trying to get there. The problem is, though, is when we take that attitude of we work to get to the time of retirement, when we take that kind of attitude and we apply it, in our Christian life, even more specifically, and how we come to the church. See, retirement in this life from work, from our jobs, is okay. But we can't assume the same kind of attitude, same kind of approach, when it comes to our walk with the Lord and how we come and serve Him, especially in the church body. This morning, we're continuing on in our series, A Health Family, A Growing Family, going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're in the next part. We're in part 9, and I want you to look at the sermon title this morning. It's called The Christian's Retirement Plan. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you in on the secret. Do you know what the Christian's retirement plan is? Do you know when it happens? All right. Thank you. Some of you are like, yeah, when you die. And it's true. Heaven is God's retirement plan for us. For those who have received His Son, who are living for Him, that getting, getting to be with Him, heaven, that's the day you retire. It's not like it's how we treat our jobs sometimes, like, well, I'll work a portion of my life and then, and then step back and then take it easy. But I'm going to tell you this morning, and we're going to see it in the Scriptures today, how easy it is for us to get that attitude of, I've done enough, I've put my work in, my life is too busy, this or that, and I am, quote-unquote, retiring from the Christian work. Now, we don't ever say that, but friends, I do get to travel around a lot of places. I mean, like I said, just this last week, you know, getting to go work with other congregations. I get to go to these different places. I'm not talking about just Bono. I'm not talking about just the scripture we're going to read, the church at Corinth. I'm talking everywhere. This has throughout time been a problem. Anywhere there's a group of believers, there's this there's this attitude, this kind of characteristic of some who say, I've reached the point of how much work I'm going to do for the Lord and how much I'm going to serve in the church, and I'm just going to sit back and relax. Well, friends, I have no problem if you retire from your job, but I do have a problem if you've retired from working in the church. And I think God has a problem with that. In fact, what we're going to see this morning as we get back in the book of 1 Corinthians as Paul continues to deal with this church who's really sick, who's really unhealthy, who's got a lot of problems, he's kind of going to address this attitude in them of you guys have already acted like you're retired, like you've got it made, like you've done all that you're supposed to do and look at the problems it is causing in your life, in your church. We need to listen to these words so that we have to understand if what our retirement plan is with God is not until he calls us home. Let's look in the scriptures this morning. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're, content, we're going verse by verse the book of 1 Corinthians. This is kind of where we left off from last time. Verses 6 through 13. Let's look at the scripture together. 
to come back and talk about what God has for us. It says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Look at this next verse, verse 8. It says, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign, so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. We're going to stop there in our study through Corinthians. I want you to understand. Now, I know the passage doesn't seem like a really good description of the Christian life. Like Paul saying, hey, me and the other apostles, the guys who are out there doing this work, is we're the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, and life's pretty tough. We're getting persecuted and cursed and... We're in rags, and we have no money and no food, and like, oh, great, sign me up. You don't understand really what he's talking about. In fact, what's actually going on in this passage is kind of maybe hard to see at first glance, but there's a, actually Paul, I love it here, Paul's got a lot of sarcasm going on. He's kind of given this church a pretty stinging rebuke. Can we put up, uh, can you go back up to verse 8 for us? I want, I want you to focus on verse 8, because here's kind of the key to understanding what Paul's talking about. See, he's getting on, the, on these believers, on this church, about their attitude uh, in this world, about their willingness to work and, and all the things that are going on. It says, look at this. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Now, again, I'm telling you, it's, unless you can kind of see the bigger picture, it's hard to understand. But he's being very sarcastic there. He's saying you're acting like you're already a king. But he says, you have begun to reign and that without us. Like you've already started to live the grand lifestyle thinking you got it made, and where are we? And then he tells us, I wish that were really true. I wish that you were really reigning with Christ right now. Well, that means we would be too. He's given a kind of a hard time. He's given kind of a stinging rebuke saying, you're acting like you're already home with God, like you're already getting to get the crown of righteousness and you're living in the mansion on the hillside, right? You, you're going ahead and just already enjoying all those things, and there's still work to be done. He's saying, you already have all you want. You are already so rich. You're reigning like a king. You're already in retirement, basically. You're already in the Christian retirement. But you left us behind. We're doing the work. You have stopped 
doing. Now, how would you like your pastor? I'm going to say your pastor. I'm pretend I'm not your pastor. Somebody else to say that to you. I'm not saying that to you because you're like, Brother Greg, well, he said, well, I'm doing No, just imagine outside of this realm. Imagine you're sitting at church, some other church than this, and your pastor comes and says, you're acting like you're retired. You're acting like you've got it made, and you left us behind. We're doing all the work. Does that make you feel very good? Of course it doesn't, right? I mean, that's Paul, what he's doing. I mean, this is, he, he was the kind of the spiritual father of this church. He started it. He had discipled them. He knew them. And he's come back with a pretty tough rebuke and saying, you guys have given up. You act like you've made it home. You have retired. And we're out here doing the work still. It's, it's not time yet. We're still busy doing the Lord's work, and you're acting like it's all done. That's a pretty harsh rebuke. It's, it's a pretty tough thing for the people who he loved and loved him to hear those kind of words. That you have stopped working for the Lord. I mean, we could really kind of, if we're putting it in today's language, you know, he's talking about reigning as a king, but we could definitely put it in that same context of you've retired. You've become a retired Christian before it was time. You left us behind. How I wish it was retirement time. How I wish it was heaven time with the Lord. And we would be there doing the same thing, enjoying what, was, what had happened in this life and being with Christ. But it's not there yet. But you're acting like it. Now, you may be thinking at first, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? What I want to show you is that when we gain that same kind of attitude, when today, friends, and it does, it does abound. I've met enough Christians, I've been around enough places to see it does abound an attitude of, I've, made, I've done my work. I, I've be, you know, I'm rich in the Lord. I'm saved. I've got it. Why do I need to do anything else? I've heard the comments of, well, goodness, I, I did every VBS for 25 years. I'm done. I've, it's somebody else's time. You know. I have no problem with somebody else doing some other things, but it doesn't mean you get to stop. See, this attitude of, I put in what I had to. I worked enough. My work for the Lord, it's over. You say, surely people don't do that. Friends, I see it all the time. I've met enough believers to know it happens too, too much. And let me tell you again, what's going to happen with this? I want you to see where that attitude comes from. Because the scripture tells us. I want you to understand where this kind of this attitude where we would say, I'm done working, I'm, I'm going to reign, even though it's on this life, I'm going to retire from the Christian life, doesn't matter if somebody else is doing it. I want to tell you where that attitude comes from. I want to tell you the cause of it. Then this morning, I want you to see the effects of it. So that all of us might get the warning of, hey, if we adopt this attitude, I want you to see how much it costs us personally, and how much it costs us even as a church family. First of all, we get to understand the root of it, the cause of it. It's pretty simple. In fact, it tells us back in, the, in verses 6 and 7, it says you are puffed up. You are filled with pride. Pride. Pride is the, pride's the problem. It's that they have become so prideful, so filled up of themselves, that they think they get to stop. Like they've done enough work. They think so highly of themselves, like, I got it made. Surely God's pleased with me. It's somebody else's turn. And Paul's telling me, you are puffed up. You're acting like you've just done all these amazing things. I like one commentator about the scripture. It translates verse 7. He says that 
kind of in our language, like Paul's saying to him, basically this, who do you think you are? That you would act like this. You think that you're some, such awesome things of people. You've deserved all this. Everything you have received comes from God. You are puffed up. I love what Paul's doing here. He's, he's kind of pointing out to him. He's saying, you, are, you got this wrong type of attitude. You're, you're thinking you deserve all these things that you, you're, you know, you should receive the, all these awards and accolades and all this stuff. It's time to kind of poke that pride, kind of pop, kind of burst the bubble of your pride. Bring you down to earth. Now, I, and I'll tell you the truth, I need that sometimes. You know, I know that, you know, it's easy for me. I don't know where if you struggle in these same areas, but I know it's easy for me to kind of have the pride built up like, look at what I've done. Look at my work. I, surely this is good enough, God. I can kind of. Sit back. The ego and the pride can kind of build up. And God always loves to put someone around me who kind of deflates that pride. I think that's why he put David Halbert in my life in this church. He said, you know, just right when my ego gets a little big, David's right there to poke. I tell you, no. But I tell you, I got to tell you a funny story, though. Something happened to me this week. You know, I love, like I said, I, I love the opportunity to go preach a revival. And go meet people I've met, and that's always a, a fun experience. And now the reason I go is because you know I believe in preaching the gospel and doing the work of God. But I'm going to tell you, kind of a kind of a pleasant side effect. It's not why I go, but it does happen. It's it's pretty good for the old ego. I mean, it is. I mean, there's people who come and they're so complimentary, and you know, of course, it's just that they've never heard me before, and that's just a different voice and a special time and. You guys are complimentary, too. I don't want you to think I'm saying anything bad against you. I promise. But, you know, they're kind of, oh, Pastor, that was just the best sermon ever. And, oh, that was just so great. And let me tell you what God is doing in my life through you and all this stuff. And, this, you, know, it's, you know, we have several services, right, jam-packed together. And so, you know, once or twice a day, I'm, people are kind of coming up to me and saying really nice things. And, you know, it's pretty easy for me to go, yeah, that's right. Yep, that was a pretty good sermon. <laughs> I laid it on up today. Oh, yeah. Says, here comes the next Billy Graham. I mean, I'm all right on my way. You know. And I remember one night where they're preaching. And I, you know, we finished service, and there have been some responses and things, and people are coming, and, oh, that was such a good service, and I'd never heard that sermon before. And that, yeah, da, da, da. And just really nice. And, well, that night I had told the story that all of you, I think most of all of you have heard once or probably even twice. I told the story about my favorite story, Johnny the Killer Parrot. You know, Johnny the Bird who got me in so much trouble, you know, and how, because he just wouldn't stop talking, and, you know, I told that story, and they laughed, and all this. Anyway, so I'm, you know, that service ended, and most people were filing out, and people come up and said such nice things to me, I'm feeling so good, and all this kind of stuff, and I, I, I'm trying to gather my stuff, and I noticed two ladies talking, and one of the ladies was the, the organist for the services, and she had brought a friend with her that night. And so I, they're talking, and I don't want to interrupt their conversation, but I hear this lady that was the church member, the organist, she, she calls me and says, Pastor Greg, come here, come here, come here, come here. And she says, oh, that was such a great sermon. I'm like, yeah, I know it was. I've been, they've been telling me all night long. I mean, no, I didn't say that. But, I mean, you know, she was saying all the time. She goes, oh, and that story about that bird, that was so funny. She said, you know, my daughter had a bird just like that. And it's so true. They just won't ever stop talking. And I'm laughing. Yeah, that's true. Her friend says, yeah, I had... I've always had the same problem with my husband, which is funny. You know, it's, some of you are like, yeah, amen to that, you know. But I, so me being, you know, I'm going to be a little funny because 
I am God's gift to cleverness. You know, I'm so hilarious. I say, huh, yes, but husbands aren't quite as easy to get rid of. And their faces just go almost ash white and just no more smiles. I'm like, what did I just say? This lady who was the guest at church, she opens her Bible, pulls out the obituary of her husband who had recently passed away. <laughs> I go, oh, oh, no, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't meaning that, I promise. I'm sorry. You know, I'm going, I don't know what is it. And, and as I could feel that, that, that bubble of pride and ego going, I'm so clever, I'm so great, just doing burst right there. There's a pop, a large pop sound right there going, oh, put foot in mouth, right, you dummy. And so, I'm, you know, I'm driving home. I just hear God laughing at me. God does laugh at me from time to time. He does laugh at me. I say, oh, you think you're so clever. Yeah, look at that. You know, I'm going, I'm not sure if that woman came back the rest of the services. I don't know. I didn't see her. But, you know, just one of those things that sometimes we need that kind of pride, that bubble of ego and pride of we've done so much, we've earned so much, or all these things. We just need a burst. God is certainly absolutely willing to put something in our life just to kind of just kind of poke that pride bubble that we've got of we earn something, we deserve something, and say, wait a second, take a look at it again. Any blessing you have is from me above, from God. Any gift you have, God gave it in the first place. Any way he allowed you to serve, he did the work. It wasn't me. You know, he's got to bring that pride down. And the pride of the people that day, as Paul was writing this, the pride of the members of that church was so big, they had said, we can sit back, we can take our rest, we don't need to do anymore, we've done enough. It was pride that caused them to carry the attitude of, it's time to retire. Now Paul's saying, you guys, acting like you got it made, it's not time for that yet. The pride that built up in them. And friends, it's so easy for us to think that we've done something, that it was us and to get in that attitude. As soon as the pride builds up, you watch out. The attitude of, I get to sit back, starts to come in the back of our mind. And we need something to come along to say, where did that come from? Where did that blessing come from, originate from? It came from God. You didn't do anything. Let's bring that ego, let's bring that pride a little bit down. Now, that's the cause of this attitude. The cause of this attitude of saying, I'm just going to stop working for the Lord. I'm going to just act like I'm I'm here to reign with God, even though I'm not up in heaven yet. That's the cause of it. Now, what's the effects of it? I want you to see the effects of what it does to you, to me, into our church. This is why this church was so unhealthy. Well, first of all, I mean, it's pretty obvious. One of the, the first effects of this attitude of the Christian retirement plan of, on this earth is that the work for the Lord stops prematurely. I mean, that was, that's what was going on in this church. She's talking to them, again, about this thing. You've stopped doing things. You've stopped working and serving the Lord and advancing the kingdom. And what happens with the attitudes of you and I, when we stop serving the Lord, when we think we've reached a place that's all is good, that I've earned whatever I, you know, it's time for me to receive it, I stop working. I stopped serving the Lord so much. I think it's somebody else. It's time for somebody else to pick up. And this is, again, what we, not the first time we've dealt with this. Paul was saying that these people, the, the church members there at Corinth, had got to this attitude of, well, the, the, Paul was supposed to do the work, or Paul was supposed to work, or the church leader, the, the pastor, or elders, or some of they're supposed to do it. They had put all this emphasis on the leaders, and they had sat back and said, well, they can do it. We've done enough. 
you know, we were, we were a pretty big church at one time, and we got it good, and I, we served, and we were out there knocking on doors, and we were out there telling them about Jesus, but, you know, that was then. We're good now. The work stops, friends. That's a sad to see a church in that state. When the work of the people stops. It's like, remember back in Nehemiah? We studied Nehemiah not that long ago. Nehemiah comes back, and the wall was torn down in Israel. It could have been rebuilt plenty of times over. You know why? It wasn't that Nehemiah could come back and say, you know, I know how to build a wall. They, the people had stopped working. They had lost their heart. It took Nehemiah to lead them for revival to get them back on their feet and start serving the Lord again. When we have the attitude of, look what I have done, when the pride begins to build up, the work stops. Friends, and if we put all the emphasis on, somebody else is going to do it. If we think, I've earned my place to sit back. This is not my time. Friends, we're going to have a problem. Now, I understand God may change your roles. I understand that as life goes on, it can become difficult. Some things you might, you may not be able to physically even do some of the things you did before. But God never calls us to stop working for Him until the day He calls us home. I have met people in the nursing homes who have been so physically, uh, just without any ability, but could praise the Lord and have such a testimony it would knock your socks off. You don't get to retire from serving the Lord. Because when we have that attitude of pride, the work stops. Second thing is this, and I, I'm going to tell you, this is what really hurts my heart. We forget the needs of the lost. This is where it really begins to hit home. When we have this attitude of, I get to retire, I've done my work, look at what I've done. When we have, if we start to adopt the attitude that that church did back then, we stop looking at the needs of the lost. Let me explain it this way. Y'all remember in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. You're all, I mean, such a familiar passage of scripture, right? He tells this about the son who says to the father, give me my inheritance. I want to go live the way I want to live. Goes and has the wild living, comes back. The father receives him and they throw a party. Great, great teaching parable. What do we always forget? See, Jesus, the, he continues the teaching. He, did, he talks about the older brother. The prodigal son's older brother who comes out to the father. The father represented God. And the older brother says, why are you throwing such a party for my brother? He did all this. He lived wild. And, says, and I've been here the whole time. What about my party? What about this? See, Jesus told that part of the parable, that part of the story, because who was in the audience that day? He had two groups of people. He had the sinners. He had tells about the tax collectors and the sinners, those who were really needy in heart of wanting to know Jesus, and they're, they're Pharisees. There were the religious, the legalistic, you know, look at the, my deeds, but there's nothing going on here. He was talking about them saying, you had the faith right there. You had the word of God right there. You had all these things that you complain about the law. See, the thing about the Pharisees in Jesus' day, those religious leaders, they cared nothing for the lost. They had, it was all about me. And when we have an attitude of, look what I have done, and I get to retire, and I get to sit back, we stop being a church family, we stop being a body of Christ that cares about the needs of the lost. Friends, I have walked in to too many churches, to too many churches who 
all of what they do caters to the likes and preferences of those who are already saved. You're already in the house of God. You already have a relationship with Him. How about we get behind doing things that bring those who need Christ in? Let's rejoice over them because we already got the relationship with them. But we start catering to our preferences. We start doing the things that just meet our needs. It's like we talked about two weeks ago when I was just in the passage before this. We come and we come to the church and we say, what can this church do for me? How can it meet my needs? How can it make me feel really good about me instead of how is God going to put me in this place to serve? What can I do for this place? When we have the attitude of I've done the work, when I've got pride built up in me, I stop thinking about, I stop caring about and considering the needs of those who need to know Jesus. I stop worrying about the loss because then the church becomes for me. And I'll go into the church if it sings the songs that I like or preaches the way that I like or has my friends there. Is that why we're called into church? Friends, we're called to come together to be strengthened, to know more about him so that we can also go out and be disciples, go out and be telling others about Jesus Christ and bringing them in the fold. And friends, I have been in some church families. I have been in some places that a non-believer wouldn't get within 100 yards of that place. Everything about that church said, not for you. Is that the kind of church God has asked us to be? When the pride builds up in us thinking i gotta sit back i've done enough i've done the work we forget about the needs of the lost the third thing is this and it's kind of related when we have that the cause of pride building up us building up in us and this attitude of we gotta sit back and not do the work we damage our witness for christ we're damaging the message see i mean jesus tried to tell us that people will know us by what we do, specifically how we love one another and the actions of our life. Not even so much our words, but how we are living. And when we carry this kind of attitude, one, we've already said we don't really care about the needs of the lost. I'm not going to say much then, but just our action with one another. It damages our witness with him. I want you to look at this. See, Paul was saying, you know, all this in the last few verses when he's talking about he's hungry He's in rags, and, you know, he's despised, and he's the scum of the earth, and all this, he and the other apostles. He's not trying to say, hey, this has to be your life, to follow Christ, that you've just got to be, you know, you know rejected by everybody, and just your life's got to be miserable. And he's saying, we're doing the work of Christ, even though it's costing us this. Even though it's costing us our livelihood, even though it's costing us our comfort, even though it's costing us having a full belly all the time, we're doing, we haven't stopped working. We're doing the work of Christ. The people are seeing that we are out there in the gutter, loving on them, teaching them about Christ, and you're sitting back on your recliner just glad we're doing the work. This is not a message about we have, as Christians, we have to be just so lowly and have no possessions and all the things. But if, but if that's what it takes for us to be doing the work of God, if the place he has us serving means we've got to endure that kind of hardship, then the, all the better. Because we are in the midst of doing 
the work of Christ. Paul's work and the, the work of the other apostles was a powerful witness. That's why everywhere he went, people were getting saved. Churches were getting started. Because he was doing the work of Christ. He wasn't sitting back. I loved it. I mean, Paul says that he fought the fight. He didn't give up. Even from prison, he's teaching and preaching. And he's, he's looking at these people back in their comfy setting back home and saying, and you guys have stopped working. You guys have retired from the faith. What are you doing to the witness of Christ? Hmm. Man, what a... What tough words. Tough words. I mean, this is, I read Paul's words to the church of Corinth way back when. I, I look at myself going, oh, man, I could have been right in that church the way my attitude is. Paul's got to be, he's talking to me. God is talking to me through what he was saying to this church back then. It's tough. Friends, it is just too easy to sit back, rest on our laurels, and say, I've done enough. We're hurting our faith. We're damaging our witness. And we're keeping the kingdom of God from growing as it should be. I'm going to make a little bit of confession here. I'm going to make a little bit of confession here. As a pastor, and I've said this for almost all the years I've been a pastor, but I've served a ministry which is my entire adult life. And I know the same feeling comes from other ministers because we get together and we talk. We hear about it. I know that for me, one of the things I like to do least is to stand up and say, we're doing something, I need volunteers. I'm just, I don't like doing it. You know why? Because nine times out of ten, in my history, in my years, and I know pa- other pastors go through the exact same thing, Stand up and say, we need to do this. We need to start this, this new program, this new ministry. We need your help over in this part of the church. We need, we need people to come along. We almost always go home dejected. And going, I know more people could have come than that. I know we had more capable followers and workers of Christ than that. I don't, it, it's tough. It's hard. Now, I'm not asking you to respond because I feel bad about that sometimes. I'm asking you to look at God the same way I have to and go on, have I sat back and have I stopped working? And there have been times in my life where I've tried to act like I did enough, I'm good. Somebody else can do that. I just assume that it must be somebody else's responsibility. It must be somebody else's responsibility to go talk to that person and pray with that person to tell them about Jesus, to go do a work inside the church. It must be somebody else's responsibility. Sit back. I've done enough. I stood up. I preached and I went over here. I've done enough. And God, every time, has to stop me and say, Greg, what kind of attitude is that? It's pride built up in me that hurts the church and hurts my witness. And he's got to get on to me every time about it. And I'm thankful when he does. It's not fun. It's not easy. But I'm thankful for the reminder. I'm thankful for the kind of kick in the tail that says, get back up. Stop acting like you've earned something. Wait till you get into my presence. Then I'll take care of all that. Friends, there is work to be done. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're drawn in breath right now, friend, I don't care what age you are, I don't care what ability you are, young, old, anywhere in between, I don't care what your history has been or how much you've done in the church or how little you've done in the church, 
you are not retired yet. Nor am I. There's work to be done for the Lord. We want a healthy family, a healthy church family. It means a growing church family. That is a family that gets together and says, we're doing the work. I don't get to retire. I'm going to serve God with every breath, with every ounce, with every day until he calls me home. He gets to choose the day I retire. And not a moment before. So friends, all I ask this morning, I ask that you examine your heart. What is your commitment? Is it, I'm just glad that I can come and hear a song that I like and hear a preaching that I like and like this and just get to go on home? Am I just glad to have that? Or are you constantly coming here and saying, God, you called me here for a reason. You called me here for a purpose. I'm ready to do the work. I'm going to serve. I'm going to find a need. I'm going to fill a need. I'm going to do the things. For, I'm not going to stop. God, you're going to give me something to do, something to say, some way to minister every single day of my life until you call me home. Show me what you'd have for me today. That's the attitude I want you to have. That's the attitude I need to have today. There's work to be done. I want to pray for you this morning. And after I pray for you this morning, I ask. You know, there's something powerful, you know, between making a commitment to you and God, but there's also something powerful about making that commitment public. And I want you this morning, I want you to be willing this morning to at least tell somebody else, this is the commitment I'm making. You may need to come up and say, Greg, I'm just going to tell you, God has me serving in this way. He's, he's calling me. I've stopped working, but he's going to do that. Just tell me. I'm going to say, praise the Lord, God bless you. You may need to just come up right up here and pray before God and say, I'm making this commitment. You may want to grab your spouse or a friend or a neighbor and say, listen, this is what God has told me to do. Put the yes, vocally yes, to what God is calling you because there's work to be done. You don't get to sit on the sidelines. None of us do. And he will welcome you back to the work. Heavenly Father, we come and rejoice in your mighty name we thank you how you have blessed us and the privilege you have given us to be called your people sons and daughters of the living god thank you for the reminder that anything we have in this life any gift we've received any blessing we've uh, just enjoyed it has not come from our hand it has come from you God, thank you for the reminder that any work we've done in your name has been by the strength you've given us and the talents that you've put in us. And we don't get to say, I've done enough. We don't get to sit back and say, I'm retired from the work of the Lord. Let us not carry that attitude into how we approach coming to this place. God, I think there is, in this place, just in this room, in this sanctuary, there's enough people to get a whole lot of work done. A whole lot of work done. And I pray you call every one of us to be committed unto your work. God, and, it, and we're the body of Christ. Not everybody has to do the same thing as the other. we got just all kinds of different parts of the body here, and they're going to serve in unique ways. But let none of us say, none of us, none of us dare say, I'm not useful. Let none of us dare say to you, well, I did that. I worked long enough and hard enough. I don't need to do that anymore. It's somebody else's job. Don't let any of us have that attitude with you this morning. Now let every single one of us say, how am I to serve you? And then go do it with passion and intensity, thanking you for every blessing you give along the way. God, we need your strength.
to do the work. God, because I know, I, I, I know the people here. I know my brothers and sisters in Christ. I know they're out doing their jobs in the week and doing their things around, and they physically get tired. And I know there's that, there's that thought process, gosh, if I just had more energy, I could do more things for the Lord. God, we need that supernatural, the spiritual passion and zeal to serve you. We need you to give that extra dose of get up and go just when we're feeling down and out. God, we need you to bless us so that we, we just can get up and do more of your work. And we never get to say, that's just too much. God, if you call us to the work, you'll equip us for the work. That we will say yes unto you today. Father, I pray that today is the day that this church family is filled with people saying yes to you. In any way you call them to. Well, it may seem like a big thing or a little thing. They're willing to say yes to you. They're willing to serve you in this church, to meet the needs of from the youngest to the oldest, Father, to think about how those that are lost, those who need to come into the place, how we can, how we can bring them in and we can be welcoming to them, Father, and not just be worried about it if the service met our needs. God, we want us each to be called unto your work, and I pray that people today are saying yes unto you. God, I, don't, I pray that you would move them to just vocalize that out this morning, to say yes unto you. To tell somebody else, to come and let somebody know, here's what you're calling me to do, so that we may pray for one another, and we may encourage one another, and we may be more equipped and more on fire for the things you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for this mighty and awesome privilege to serve your great name. We thank you for our Savior. By his name, the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to play a little bit of music. Don't run off because all those other things you got to do, they'll wait a few more minutes. They'll cook more food at Panda Express. They're not going to run out of food. Some of you are going, I got to get over there for that fundraiser. I want you to go over there too. They'll cook some more. Don't run off. We're going to just have a little bit of music to play. What would you do during this time? Well, we got a few minutes. What are you going to do? How are you going to say yes to God? I, I love how sometimes we just have to say to each other, don't just stand there. Don't just stand there. I was just spending a week with people. Some didn't stand there and saw, and when they didn't, when they moved, when they did what God called them to do, I saw some life-changing things happen. And I also saw a large number of people who had given up. I saw a large amount of retired Christians who just stood there. Mm. Let's not have that. What is God going to call you today? If you need somebody to tell, I'm standing right here. Say, just, Pastor Greg, here's what God's called me to do. God bless you and amen. We'll move on. Come pray it up here. Come tell somebody this is God's time of response. Would you stand with me? John's going to be over there uh, with some youth. We'll have some dig at the back. I'm here. Just for, just for a time of worship, just while some music plays,